A True North exclusive revealed that taxpayers in Nova Scotia are on the hook for gender-affirming items, such as prosthetic breasts, fake penises, and chest binders for youth. Calgary City Council rejected an expert task force's recommendations to increase affordable housing, and MPs across party lines are not happy. The Bank of Canada suspended its conditional pause and raised interest rates to a 22-year high on Wednesday. Meanwhile, Pierre Polyev promised to block the Trudeau government's, quote, inflationary budget. Hello, Canada. It's Thursday, June 8th, and this is the True North Daily Brief. I'm Rachel Emanuel. And I'm Lindsay Shepard. We've got you covered with all the news you need to know. Let's discuss the top stories of the day and the True North exclusives you won't hear anywhere else. A Nova Scotia youth organization is handing out, quote, gender-affirming items, such as prosthetic breasts, fake penises, and chest binders to, quote, two-spirit, trans, non-binary, or gender-questioning youth under the age of 25. The Youth Project is a nonprofit charity focused on providing gender identity services to youth, and the organization lists the Nova Scotia Department of Health and Wellness and the Nova Scotia Department of Education as supporters. Among the items, it gives out free of charge to youth who request them, chest binders, groin packers, trans tape, tucking underwear, and prosthetic breasts. One of the online retailers the group is directing youth to includes Venus Envy, which advertises sex toys on its front page. Another retailer advertised by the taxpayer-funded program, Origami Customs, sells BDSM gear like harnesses and collars and includes images of nude models. According to the Youth Project, the gender-affirming item project is in high demand and has a lengthy waitlist of up to three months. Lindsay, this is a pretty disturbing story. I haven't even heard of all these products before. Certainly, I've heard about chest binders and trans tape, but I've never heard of the groin packers and even the prosthetic breasts. It just seems like this organization is taking things really far. But of course, it seems like we have a story like this in the podcast every single day. So I feel like I'm just not surprised anymore to see this type of thing. And it feels discouraging to have to cover so many types of stories where we are hearing in every facet of society that the trans ideology is being pushed to to youth, really. Right. And the taxpayer is on the hook for it. And it, it reminds me of how there are quite a few universities in Ontario. Um, McMaster, Trent and Brock University are among them. And they have gender affirmation funds with their graduate student unions. So, um, yeah, that's, you know, paid for by the, the fellow students. And if you apply to this fund, if you're a trans or non-binary or questioning person, uh, you can get a new wardrobe, uh, you know, in, in the gender that you want to be. You can get wigs, also the binders and the packers. And they'll even, you can even apply for funds to pay for gender affirming cosmetic surgeries or even uh these surgeries that change the sex characteristics of your body. Um, So yeah, I mean, we are paying for all this stuff. When we talk about how we, the taxpayers, are on the hook to pay for these things, particularly Nova Scotia taxpayers would be funding a lot of this stuff. A little later in the show, we're going to talk about the 22-year high on interest rates. And I'm just always surprised that it seems like a radical idea that our government should fund things that are a necessity but cut back spending on all these extra things, especially at a time when Canadians are really hurting and 
we're hearing about how many people are turning to food banks and the banks are foreclosing on their homes and they're having to rent and sell their properties. So I just don't understand why we can't just return to the basics. And that's such a radical idea in Canadian society that our government would limit its spending, that we would even have limited government. And I wish that we would turn the conversation back to that direction. I, I mean, I'm totally with you. This stuff needs to be cut right out. Like we should not be spending money on this. And I have seen radical feminists point out, you know, this language we use, gender affirming items. Well, okay, what if a woman, a biological woman, feels like her breasts are not big enough to feel truly like a woman and she wants implants? Uh, Okay, who's on the hook to pay for that? MPs across party lines are criticizing Calgary City Council's move to reject an expert task force's recommendations to increase affordable housing. On Tuesday, the Housing and Affordability Task Force put forward recommendations on how to deal with the housing affordability crisis, but councillors rejected the advice. Federal Conservative housing critic Scott Aitchison said the recommendations would have made it easier to build the homes people need, but, quote, gatekeepers stood in the way. The former leadership contender took aim at city council for rejecting the proposal, but then passing an action plan to receive their share of the $4 billion in federal money promised to municipalities who take action on affordable housing. The task force brought forward its six main recommendations, which included 33 actions. The main six recommendations sought to make it easier to build housing across the city and make more city land available for construction. The 33 specific actions called on council to remove all minimum parking requirements in residential areas and to establish financial incentive programs that would drive the production of more secondary suites. Conservative MP Michelle Rempel-Garner and disgraced Liberal MP George Chahal also criticized the council's decision. Rachel, what do you think about the council rejecting this move to have more affordable housing? I think this is a really interesting story that has a lot of national interest right now. Certainly, we saw the federal conservative party weigh in with their housing critic, Scott Aitchison, condemning this decision from council. We don't often see federal parties wade into municipal politics, but this is the second time just this month that Scott Aitchison has voiced concern. At the beginning of the month, he also criticized Mississauga City Council for rejecting a proposal to build more affordable housing. It's really interesting conversation because we're seeing the conversation on housing shift. I remember growing up in the Niagara region, I had what I thought growing up was a very modest home, especially in comparison to some of my friends and peers. Nowadays, I would love to live in a home that had was a detached home. It had a backyard, sort of in a town, a mix of, of rural, but urban city centers where you go shopping not too far away. A cost of that type of home is now close to a million dollars. Certainly, I'm not in a position where I'll be able to afford anything like that in a very, very long time. And I remember growing up, most of my friends didn't live in townhouses. And I just recently moved into a townhouse and I feel like the luckiest person. I'm so happy that I have all this space. It's such a nice change from living in a condo. And I also just moved to Calgary and I know that the housing here is in absolute, it's a crisis here. There is a housing crisis here. People cannot find places to live. We had to look for somewhere to rent for months and months and months. And we would show up to a house viewing and the landlord would say, you're my 300th applicant. So you then somehow have to try to find a way to stand out among another 299 applicants and get them to choose you. It was extremely difficult. People would show up at these viewings and they would overbid and say, 
can I just offer you another $500 a month to move in? So that was sort of the competition that you were up against. And we were hearing stories about people that had been living in Airbnb for months because they couldn't find somewhere to live. So this is a huge problem in Calgary and elsewhere across the country right now, like the GTA. I think that my generation, we grew up, a lot of us grew up in these detached homes and we're realizing that that's not going to be our reality for many, many years. We've lowered our expectations and there's nothing wrong with that, but we do want a home. We do want somewhere to live. I think that these city councillors have a bit of an old view on what they want their neighborhoods to look like. People just can't afford these beautiful detached homes anymore. And it's time to sort of adjust our expectations. Certainly it would be nice if we could all afford these big homes. I think that's another conversation worth having. But right now we need to find homes for people to live in. Everyone who talks about housing these days knows we need to increase supply, especially in light of the fact that last year population growth was 1 million. So we got about 500,000 immigrants and about 500,000 temporary residents like international students and work permit holders. Uh, And that's going to be the reality for every year to come uh, if we go by the Liberals' plans. So the population is increasing very rapidly. However, one of the recommendations in this report that council rejected, um, you know, it makes me think maybe it's almost a good thing that this was rejected and we can rethink this um, this recommendation. It said, ensure that the supply of affordable housing meets the needs of Indigenous people living in Calgary and equity deserving populations. So at this point, the housing crisis is nationwide. It does not affect you based on your, you know, you're not immune to it based on race. Uh, Everyone is facing really high rents, really high mortgage payments. So to think that, you know, certain groups based on their race would get preference for housing is um, really wrong at this point. And it even, there's even a link here with Ahmed Hussein, who's the federal housing minister, Do you know his official title? It's the Minister of Housing and Diversity and Inclusion. So it's very interesting that we are seeing this intersection of housing and diversity and inclusion. What we really need is housing for everyone. I know that some of the councillors on the committee took issue with some of the policies, not the specific policy that you mentioned, and they had asked if they could sort of receive the report, but not order council to move ahead with its recommendations. And Calgary City Mayor Jody Gondek said, no, we need to get started on this right away. As a result, they did not have a majority to proceed with the recommendations, but it is something that they need to take action on quickly. My hope is that they can get back to this discussion, find an agreement and some consensus and pick some of the easy things. A lot of their concerns were not about the policy that you mentioned, but rather about some of the zoning bylaws, which would remove minimum street parking, for example, and instead focus on and prioritize building homes and things like that. So it is still a conversation that is ongoing and I hope that they take action quickly because people are getting pretty desperate and we often think of Alberta as somewhere people move for the Alberta advantage. But my experience living here is it's really not that much cheaper than if I was still living in say Southern Ontario. Certainly it's quite a bit cheaper than the GTA, but the cost of rent is pretty comparable to where I grew up, which is in Niagara right now. You're absolutely right. It's like you were describing, it's a nightmare to find a place. And I think a lot of people's arguments who who don't fully understand this crisis is, oh yeah, Toronto and Vancouver are really desirable. And so you just have to move somewhere else. Well, the problem is, yeah, places like Calgary, uh, you it's actually not that affordable anymore. And so there will actually be nowhere to just move. 
The Bank of Canada raised its overnight rate by 25 basis points to 4.75% on Wednesday, marking the highest interest rate in 22 years. Several factors led to the bank's decision to raise the key interest rate, including economic growth in Canada. This comes as the annual inflation rate increased to 4.4% in April, an increase from 4.3% in March following a series of monthly declines. The central bank said it expects to see inflation level off at about 3% in the summer. Conservative leader Pierre Polyev criticized the government for continuing to spend while the economy continues to recover. He said the federal government's $40.1 billion deficit was driving inflation and that he would block this disastrous, risky and inflationary budget from passing. Polyev told caucus on Wednesday, quote, I will be on my feet roughly at 7 p.m. to stand up against this budget and I will keep speaking and keep speaking and keep blocking this inflationary train wreck until the prime minister rises with a plan to balance the budget and bring down inflation and interest rates. Polyev made good on his promise, speaking in the House until nearly midnight. He talked about historical figures like former British Prime Minister Winston Churchill and economist Milton Friedman to criticize the government's fiscal policies. And we know that opposition MPs are very frustrated by this because they are hoping to wrap things up and get started on their summer holiday and nothing is getting passed at this time. It's sort of funny that this is ongoing. I would encourage my viewers to go watch Mr. Smith Goes to Washington, a very hilarious and funny movie, which just reveals sort of the sickness behind politics. That's it for today. And don't forget to check in at www.tnc.news throughout the day for all the news you need to know. And if you're able, please consider supporting independent media at donate.tnc.news. Thanks for listening and have a great day.